Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. Has this kind of thing of like, where's my guru? You know, I need a guru. I want, I want to get serious uh-huh. now, so I want a guru. So people feel that way, yeah. and that that's it's good that they feel that way because, in one sense, it's it is a good thing to think that there's some way of being that is higher than the way one habitually is and that someone exemplifies that, and that person can maybe help one develop dimensions in themselves, that, that, um, that there are new, will be new for them, and will be greater than they habitually think of themselves as. Yeah. So, so, you know, when you said, you are the, apart from yourself, but then what you found through the inspiration of your teacher was dimensions in yourself that you didn't know they were there. Because your habitual thing was to think of yourself as not having those dimensions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, you know, the four, someone asked me earlier about the four immeasurables, as they're called, mm-hmm. which I decided to translate now as immensities. Immensities. Yeah, because immense means yeah. immeasurable, actually, but it's uh-huh. a more nice word, you know. Yeah. Immeasurable sounds kind of like, ooh, gosh, I couldn't swallow it or something. <laughs> Whereas an immensity is an immensity. Mm-hmm. So, immense love, immense compassion, immense joy, and immense equanimity. And, and those are, in the Indian cosmology, they are four ways of carving up the layers of the heaven of the pure form. And the gods, Brahma, and others dwell in the highest level of equanimity one, which is, then can be also subdivided into 16 different levels of heavens. And the highest one is called Akanishta. Not smaller than anything else. That mm. literally means akhanishta, not lesser than anything. Mm. And uh, that's where Brahma hangs. And the deities there, all those deities in the form realm have no gender differentiation. They're all, they're not exactly hermaphroditic, but they have male and female elements. <laughs> and they, do, they don't have, uh, di- you know, differentiated genitalia, for example. They don't have ordinary, like, desire realm bodies. That's why it's called the realm of pure form. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's taught to people in terms of, like, cosmology, like there are these heavens there. But any yogi or yogini who develops ability to concentrate and become mindful, pushing that mindfulness to deeper and deeper levels, discovers the realm of infinite love, the realm of infinite or immense love, immense compassion, immense joy, and immense equanimity within themselves. So they have all the heavens in themselves. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. it's not like chakras. It's like mental mind states. Mm-hmm. And especially if they are, you know, not grasping at the pleasure of those realms, because when you feel immense mm-hmm. love, 
you feel blissful yourself, of course. Yeah. You wouldn't have immense love if you didn't feel already blissful that you want. The bliss wants to overflow where you want to love everybody. You're capable of loving everybody because you're feeling so filled with bliss. Mm. So the bliss itself isn't you, but you letting, by letting go of it, you want to send it to everyone, right? So you find all those heavenly planes in yourself. The, day, the being that is unfortunate in that view is the one who wants to stay and grasp that state. And then they become reborn as a deity of that realm, actually. They leave their, their meat puppet body, and mm. they get stuck in those heaven, some heavenly plane or another. Mm. And then once you're in a heavenly plane, then you're sort of complaining about the other immigrants to your heavenly plane. And, you're like, <laughs> uh, and some yogis came from America, and all those American yogis are so annoying. And they're really, they wish they were back in the desire realm, you know, they, 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 like whatever. So, so, so the thing is, all of these realms and nirvana are within each of us, each of you, each of us. And then, you know, you find in there immense love and, when, and you're feeling blissful. And then, and then immense compassion comes when the, the, your bliss and love bumps into people's resistance and their misery and their feeling of not enough love. They want more. And then you feel compassion and then you, you console yourself for the fact that even this immense love that you feel doesn't necessarily kindle them because of their, mm. their paranoid boundarying of themselves. But then you see that even underlying that they have the bliss and joy, so then you feel the joy about the joy that they do have. Mm. Then finally, the equanimity is where you, you become equal with them. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's like a ladder that when you go up to the higher rung, the lower rungs go with you. You don't leave behind the love and the compassion and the joy. Mm -hmm. The equanimity is with all of that, you know. So those are all in, in oneself, you know. Everyone has that ability, whether or not they have a technique or whatever. Everyone has that ability. Every single person has that. That's what you discover. And that's, why, that, what, what, yeah, that's your voice, I think, comes from that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you let it go. You're going to be about to say some neg negational thing, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Never mind, I don't want to just praise you. That's terrible. <laughs> so, so, that thing about the guru, and the other thing is that every guru, like Maharaji, Kishi Wangyal, Mute, actually they say, in Tibetan, uh, my teacher once told me, he said, whenever you say my name, you should say, Dunjile Nutsene Mete. So you say, I call, I mention him by name for a specific purpose. Because they say it's unkind to mention your guru's name just kind of casually. Hmm. Because mentioning the name, you know, kind of, agi not doesn't agitate them, but it sort of, brings them mm. present, you know. Mm -hmm. So what, what I'm trying to say is they're all still here. Sure. They don't leave. There's this idea, and, and in Theravada Buddhism, you know, there's that, that lying down Buddha. But that's just, he's just showing, leaving the body to teach impermanence to people who need that teaching. But he, he and, and actually, it, it's amazing. For a hundred years, people have mistranslated Pari Nirvana in English as final nirvana. Oh, yeah. For a hundred years since it's been translated. Uh -huh. But pari does not mean final. Uh -huh. Pari means total. Total. 
So it means that when you leave the when you leave more anchoring yourself in the previous body you had before, or something like the body you had before you reached Buddhahood, mm-hmm. you you're you're just giving a teaching, mm-hmm. and you're you're being more present in your what they call reality body, which is everybody. So you're more manifestly everywhere, in other words. Yeah. Right? And so you are the nirvana in everybody else as well, if you follow me yeah. by that. You're, you're more, you have more access. You're less focused on being, responding to people seeing you in your previous course body. So, so you, don't, you should never feel you don't have a guru. And, and once you realize that the guru is everywhere and never dies, the true, the really good guru never leaves the person who needs a guru. Absolutely not. They are not the lone ranger who leaves town after getting the bad guys. You're the one who's going to get the bad guys, and the guru's always there with you to help you. That's really key. Aren't we the bad guys? What's that? Aren't we the bad guys? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the you, guru you comes have, and gets we us. Have bad guy. We have, well, no, the bad guy is our side that doesn't let us see that we're good guys. Actually. That's true. We're not really the bad guys. That's right. Look at you. Green. You're, you're the good guys for sure. I'm not guy. so sure about me. Not bad. Okay. Yeah, you, you went into the dining hall with your socks on, but that's yeah, not that bad. <laughs> they were clean socks. The socks were clean. Not only did I go into the dining hall with my socks, <laughs> but when the woman tried to stop me, I just, like showed her my card. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said, see the name on there? <laughs> you did it. You ran You're away. You're stopping me you from away. going in the dining hall? You ran away, and I, I, I was point guard for you. You were point guard. I blocked, yeah. a, I blocked the tackler. I did. You know, I did. Maharaj used to say, he said, when you think of me, I am there. He said that. When That's you right. think of me, Whenever you think of me, I'm That's there. That's right. Of course. And I always say to people, the great beings are here. We're the ones who aren't here. You know, get here and we'll be with them. We'll know we're with them. We're the ones who aren't present. We're lost in our thoughts, our emotions, our stuff. Let's get here and sense it. And he also said, once, once I take hold of your hand, I never let go. Uh-huh. Even when, not if, even when you let go of mine. Uh-huh. So these, uh-huh. this is a real being. This is a real guru. This is this is what it's like. That's right. And so we're all part of that love. We're just because we are. We don't need a reason. We are part of that love. You know, we're there's a very important Indian concept, which I think the Buddhists might emphasize a bit more. But it's in all of all of uh, Indian uh, traditions, called beginninglessness. Beginning. Beginninglessness. Lack of beginning. Lack of beginning. That is to say, universe, Mm. multiverse, whatever you want to call it, kalpas, there's no first beginning. The idea that there was a first beginning of anything is ridiculous. Obviously, something begins from something else. In in relativity, there's no sort of nothing, no something ever can come from nothing. And so, therefore, there's no coming out of nothing. Even monotheism that says God created the universe out of nothing, well, God was there. He's not nothing. You know, then they just don't want to say that the universe is God because that would make people too casual and relaxed and they wouldn't pay dues and put a lot of money in the, in the Sunday yeah. church pot. Mm-hmm. So they act like, oh yeah, he made out of nothing and it's nothing and you're nothing. 
and that's, they get all like, like that. That's, uh, you know, ridiculous. But uh, Swiss people did that, Calvin and people. So the point is, the beginningless is a powerful concept because you're, you're beginningless. Everyone is beginningless. We have always existed. We have been everything. Once your past is infinite, we all have shady pasts. <laughs> we also have luminous pasts. We've all done every bad thing and every good thing. But we're on the moment, we're on an upward trend because we're human. And we're a little backward because we were born in this Western barbarian land, brandishing nuclear weapons over everybody on the planet. But, and weird technologies and Facebook and I don't know, whatever. But, and weird, weird politicians. But the point is, we are on an upward trend. But beginninglessness means we can identify with everyone. There, there's a bunch of modern Buddhists who are like, ah, oh, I'm not going to teach former future life. That's so fine. That's old fashioned. That's, we don't want that. Oh, no, we're modern. We're, we're scientific. We're like, we're Americans. Mm. And so we don't teach that stuff. You're, yeah, it's just your mood, you know. You're in hell when you, when you don't have a fix, you know, or you're, or, you know, you haven't, you know, whatever. Mm. So, so they don't want to teach that. Mm. And, uh, and they think that you can, enlightenment just means, I don't know, driving in your Tesla. <laughs> and and uh, it isn't. And uh, the thing is, it's very important beginninglessness. When poor Buddha, under every version of Buddha's life, he's under that tree, and he wants nirvana, right? And he's on the edge of nirvana, and he's going to finally relax. He's going to eat some food. He took a bath. He cut his hair. Like some lady brought him some divine yogurt with rice and honey, and it was really cool. And his ascetic friends, they ran away. Oh, he's like, yeah, his creep. five disciples no left. Good. And so, and he's about to do nirvana. But what does he do first? He suddenly becomes, he remembers infinite previous lives of himself. Mm. Then he remembers infinite previous lives of everybody else. Really? So suddenly, here we are, okay? And we can stand each other because we're just here for the weekend. And you don't have to be bothered by me or, 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 or Baba KD forever. <laughs> No, you can go back and you can watch the soap opera and the evening news and stuff and have a nice time in your house. And we're watching Chinese soap operas, actually. We particularly like them. And they're very excellent, actually. You should really get into them. Korean ones, too. And, and so we, 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 have, we have only certain limited involvement. But imagine if you suddenly had a vision and you wanted nirvana, you thought you'd be floating in space and feeling bliss and like gods and goddesses and whatever. And suddenly, you were on a memory trip, a smriti, a memory trip, where you were beginninglessly alive in every form. You'd, you'd been Mr. and Mrs. Dinosaur with everybody. <laughs> you had eaten everybody. They'd eaten you infinite times. You were suddenly all entangled with everyone forever from beginninglessly. Mm. You can't say no because there's no limit. And so you're totally entangled and engaged with everybody. That's why everybody has to be happy, otherwise they'll bug you. Yep. And you'll mess up your happiness. So Buddha remembered infinite previous lives, everybody else's infinite previous life. That means everybody else had been his Jewish mother. 
endless times. And he'd been their mother endless times, and neither one wanted to do it again. <laughs> and, so, and so we then quickly attained nirvana, thank goodness. But those two events, those two wisdoms, what they call them, or mm. knowledges, are right there in the thing. Mm. So Maharaji, when you showed up at Maharaji's, he, maybe he didn't say it to you, but he was saying, oh, there he is again. No. He, what he did say is, he, he said, <laughs> they're good boys, they come from good families. Really? And we thought, what? <laughs> What is he? Maybe he isn't. Really? Yeah. He said that. Yeah, he said that. They're because good that's a big Buddhist expression, you know, Kula Putra, they call it. Uh huh. And they, everybody says a good, a good boy or a good girl. Uh -huh. Kula Duhita or Kula yeah. Putra. No, that's that's it's an expression. Yeah. They say to the lay people, they say Kula Putra, Kula yeah. Duhita. Yeah. And what a good family is a family of bodhisattvas and Buddhas, and enlightened beings. Uh, yeah, maybe he wasn't perfect. What? <laughs> no, I think so. <laughs> Definitely. But the point is, he already knew that you'd been yes, his relative many, many times. And we've all been like that. Yeah. You know, that's the meditation of compassion. You meditate every single person that you know, including the male ones. They've all been your mother many times. And there's, it's so much a part of Tibetan culture. And I think it was of Indian culture prior to the, the last 800 years. They say, Magen Semjen Tamji, they say in Tibetan. They, well, they can hardly say all beings without saying all the old mother beings. Mm. So the mother being means it, it doesn't mean like there might be a bad slang that we have in modern times of yeah. mother. Well, this means they've too. been my mother. They are mothers, everyone, even the men. And therefore I owe them, what, because a mother is a form of love within ordinary beings even, biologically, that lives for the child. And definitely. And we can say they're bad mothers, but any mother who carried that child to term and then went through the thing that people cannot imagine. Talk about suffering, you know, yeah. giving birth. Yeah. That particular labor, which is usually unpaid, <laughs> how much an hour do you think it's worth? <laughs> Should it be 100,000 an hour? I think so. <laughs> when I was in the room uh, once in a while, I was like telling that doctor, I'll take the spinal block yeah. if she doesn't. <laughs> Just from the empathetic, you know, conniptions that go on. So, so everyone, so every being has done that for you. So then you meditate that, and then you feel that kind of sentimentality, and you will weep. You, will, you reach the level of that compassion meditation where you feel tears of gratitude to all beings who have been your mother many, many times. And Buddha must have felt that under that tree. Because he saw them. I mean, he saw them. He was there, their mother too, but... He, that's not, we don't want to emphasize all that problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so this is our, this is the interconnection of the guru. And the, I, I launched into this because people worrying about where's my guru, what's the nature of guru. We decided one of the topics this afternoon was the relationship of the guru. Yeah. And the, and the guru is, I like the Tibetan translation of guru. I have to say something in praise of Tibetan, the Dalai Lama would expect me to which is it didn't translate it by a literal, in Sanskrit, guru means heavy, literally like a heavy weight, like heavy weight. 
uh, guru means. But of course, it means a person who is a teacher and is an authority figure kind of thing. But the Tibetans didn't translate it with the word for heavy, jiwa. They translated it as lama. And lama means, uh, is a translation of the Sanskrit word anuttara, which means you can't get past it. So that's mm. holding your hand. Even you let go, mm -hmm. he's right here with you, holding your hand right now. Even though your hand is next to your foot, he's still holding it. Yeah. Even with your socks on. My what? It's holding your hand even when you're sneaking in with your socks My coffee cup? Socks on. Oh, my. Socks. Socks on. Oh, well, my socks on. I'm sorry. I'm he, just... he drew me into that. It wasn't me. He pulled me into the room. I had nothing to do with it. He did. He just he didn't have time. So, so, okay, does everyone feel guru now? So, so the Tibetans translated it like this being that you can't get past. So I like to say, instead of like a high authority above you, it's a tar baby. <laughs> you know, once you encounter it, you're stuck to it. And you can never, it, it never leaves you. Isn't that nice? Actually, George Lucas used to frustrate me. Because I wanted him to make movies about, you know, gurus and uh -huh. the religious tradition. He, he always used to tell me, oh, that's too far out, that's too far out. I, I can't, I, I'm dealing with the ordinary American public. I can't do that. I said, well, what is this Obi-Wan Kenobi showing up in his light body after he dies? Yeah. Excuse me, George, you're so ordinary. What is that? <laughs> I want you to do that with these other, oh, no, I can't do that, you know. But, but I always think, think mm. of Obi-Wan. Remember, Obi-Wan, the Jedi shows up. So, Kumaraji is like that. Kishiwangyal, which I mentioned his name for a purpose, he's like that. All of them are like that. So just don't worry. Just, gurus are, the gurus are, and there's a beginningless, infinite numbers of gurus. And guru is not necessarily have to be in a physical body. And you know, there is some devotion. You should practice well, and more importantly, perform well. I'm more into performance than practice. You know, the people who practice, they practice and practice, and then they get up and they throw a rock at you if you made a noise. Do you know what I mean? But that's, that's not performing. I don't see any rocks. Right? So, so I'm saying, you know, you, if you're devoted to enlightened beings, to the gurus, to Krishna, Rama, to Vishnu, to whoever it is, then you should do everything you do to the best of your ability and the best for, for, that you can because your guru feels from the guru's side, the guru feels there's no difference between her and you or him and you depending on what kind of guru he, was, he or she was. And therefore, they have to suffer being less, you're being less than you can be because they feel one with you. Hmm. The true teacher is totally empathetic, actually. This whole thing about empathy fatigue and compassion doesn't mean really be empathetic. That's a bunch of <laughs> BS, and I don't mean Buddhist studies. <laughs> the, the, the real guru is 100% empathetic and compassionate. And they're not exhausted by it because their bliss energy is so powerful. <laughs> and they don't recoil from it. Oh, no, if you're going to be compassionate, don't be too compassionate. That's just nonsense. Yeah, that's what Chogun Trungpa used to call idiot compassion. Trungpa mm -hmm. used to call it idiot compassion. Mm -hmm. Right.
Guru is not afraid to have idiot compassion. It's another Milarepa story where his sister was quite poor because Milarepa and his sister were dis, uh, disinherited by an evil uncle after his father died. And he did bad things to get revenge before he became a saint. And then he became a practitioner and he became enlightened, luckily. But he did really bad things first. Anyway, when his sister found him and he had become a fully enlightened and a great teacher, but still had a limited sangha because he stayed up in the mountain and he didn't have a big temple and lots of people around. You know, he was like, he was a real sadhu, like the one with the money, but he was really real. So she said, I'm sick of you, brother, dear. I have to go around to the markets and trade and I'm poor and I want to have one yak and like, et cetera. And you could be a great guru and you could have a beautiful monastery and your relative could be in the back room living comfortably. And I want you to get busy. And the reason you're no you're, people, you don't have a big following is because you're naked all the time and it's embarrassing for people. And so I'm, here is a beautiful yak Cool maroon robe, beautiful. And I want you, and I know you know how to sew, so I want you to make yourself beautiful llama robes, and I'm gonna go to town and buy some paraphernalia, you know, like a little crown, some brocade vest, and you know, some real guru stuff, you know, and some ritual implements, and then you're gonna have a following because you're really smart, you're really enlightened, and I'm gonna go do that, okay? So behave yourself, make some robes, and I'll be back. So then she comes back in a few days, and as she's coming up towards his cave up in the mountain, bringing up some new supplies for his llama equipment, <laughs> he jumps out from behind a rock as she comes on the path and he goes, ta-da! <laughs> and she passes out with anger. She faints. And why? He has a jockstrap on, first of all. Uh -huh. He made a little jockstrap for himself. Okay. And then he has not gloves, but finger sheaths. And toe sheaths, not socks, but toe sheaths. Uh -huh. So 20 little bits for toes and fingers <laughs> and a very jaunty cap. And otherwise he's stark naked. <laughs> and he goes, ta-da! And she's like, ah! And she passes out. Uh. And then he, you know, he carries her up and puts her on a little couch and he wakes her up. And, and he says, she says, you idiot, not only you didn't make a robe, but you ruined this beautiful yak cloth that I gave you. What's the matter with you? And he said, oh, I'm so sorry, Peta, dear. He said, I, you know, I didn't really mean to do anything. I'm so sorry. I knew that your real problem was you were embarrassed by my thing hanging there, you know, my male member. Uh -huh. So I just wanted to take a little corner off and make a little sheath, little jockstrap for it. So it wouldn't embarrass you anymore. I have no intention of wearing robes and becoming a big city guru. I have no intention. He said, I never would. And he sings a beautiful song about his monastery and his tassel and his golden ornament and his brocade vest and everything. Or all sort of mind, you know, my compassion is this and my insight is that and my wisdom is the other. You know, he just, beautiful, beautiful poetic song he sings, really marvelous. And she said, oh. and then he said, but you know, I got carried away. I got into your idea that of me, I was embarrassing that I had this thing hanging there. So I covered it, but then once I covered it, my fingers began to look obscene to me. <laughs> so I started covering the fingers, then the toes, oh my God. And then I admit, the cap on my head is just pure fashion. <laughs> 
just behaving like an idiot, right? That's an idiot. That's idiot compassion. Good. She finally calmed down, and she settled that that's what he was. And he did have. He was. He still has followers, millions of them in Tibet over centuries. You know, Miller Rippa, and he's even. I learned about Miller Rippa originally from Henry Miller. Oh. He he said Milarepa was like the Saint Francis of the Tibetans and wow. Buddhists, you know, and it was really great. And he even Henry Miller loved Milarepa. Far out. Some Indian sadhus think that he was, who went to Kailash, they think he was uh, Shiva actually, because mm -hmm. he was always naked because he had this inner fire, you know. Mm -hmm. And he was so he that's why he didn't wear clothes because he was always hot, you know, yeah. with this the inner. Chanda, what they call Chandya, Chanda, inner fire. So that's a guru topic. <laughs> Anything else on the guru topic? But we didn't do the mantra, what do you want to discuss? We can do. We, the name. We can talk about that, yeah, the repetition of the name and uh, the use of mantra and the, the invocation aspect of all that. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's very simple. You're you know? so lucky singing like that. I really love it. <laughs> no, really, it's a wonderful thing, singing. Yeah, it really is. It is. Lifts everyone. It's yeah. like really great. Lifts me, too. <clears throat> you, you, did, you never tried that, oh, that Tibetan thing? Yeah, I did. You could do Especially that. Especially in the morning. Can you do that? In the morning, I can, yeah. Uh, no, I don't. You know, the, you know the story of that? Huh? One Lama in Lhasa, in the Tantric College, he was meditating late at night, and then he suddenly this shaft opened in the earth in front of his, where he was meditating, meditating seat, and he saw down to Yama, hmm. you know, in the underworld. Mm -hmm. And he, and Yama, and he had a, like a conversation. And then the Yama voice, the voice of Yama mm. sort of was given to him by Yama, you know. Mm -hmm. and that's that, oh, you know, that yeah. deep thing. You know. So yeah. their conversation was like that. And then they made it, they used it in chants after uh -huh. that. You know. wow. So it's kind of the voice of Yama. Yama is because, death. Because, you know, Yama is the Indian god of death. You know, he has a buffalo head. And, uh, and death is considered very enlivening to reflect upon it. It's a very valuable thing for spiritual practitioners to think about. It's not a more morose or, or, or gloomy or morbid thing. It's a very, very enlivening and, and wonderful thing to think about. It really brings you to life, actually. Hmm. It really does. And actually, I think we all should be praying for Baba Ram Das, actually, shouldn't we? He's we should dedicate. Do you have a chant yeah. for him we could do? Yeah, we can do. Where'd the musicians go? You want to do? You want to do an unplugged thing, or is it a time almost there, time? Here. We have you a just few have minutes. to wake him up. What? We have a few minutes. There here. Do you yeah. have something for we can all chant together for Ramdas? Anything we chant, we can chant to Ramdas. Doesn't matter. So we can. Would you like to do that? Sure. Let's end Thank you. <laughs> they really are waking up, isn't it? Did you people know that Ramdas? A lot of you. How many of you love Ramdas? And you know, see, look at that. 
-hmm. So he's you know having some physical difficulty now, and he he's uh, he's on the edge, you know. So I think it's really good we hold him in prayer. Not that he will go, even if he leaves the meat puppet, he won't, he'll be more present. Actually, that'll be great. He'll be back at Harvard. <laughs> I love it. I think that's one place he that's won't go. That's where I first met him, when he was Dr. Richard. I met him there. He, he, he helped a lot of people there, too. Actually, he did. Once you don't need a ticket and you don't have to go through TSA, you can be everywhere. When we sing that, what's that? The chant to Maharaji. So let's sing this. Um, yeah. So we'll sing this chant uh, to my guru, Ramdas's guru, Nim Karoli Baba. So Om Namo. Om Namo. Om Namo. Om Namo. Nim Karoli. Nim Karoli. Babaya. Babai. Swaha. Swaha. So Babaya is like Om Namah Shivaya, right? Yeah, so that's it's a Babaya. Dative, the dative case. Yeah. Om Namo. So I'll start. You just join in when you want to. Om Namo. Nim Karoli. Babaya. Swaha. Okay. Yes, we meditate. We're entrusting Baba Ramdas to his guru. That's it. Seeking the help of Ramdas's guru to take care of Ramdas at this time. Thank you, Katie. That's really great. Ramdas also met Geshe Wangyal before, uh, before uh, Rim Karoli Baba. He met Geshe Wangyal. Yeah. yeah, you can look it up and be here now. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, I know that. Yeah. He came often to a monastery. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com, K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.